lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT In The Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network. And for the first time uh, in the history of the Outsports Podcast Network, you get... Uh, wrestling-themed shows back-to-back. Quick shout-out to the Transporter Room and Carly Webb, my colleague at OutSports. Uh, of course, on yesterday's edition of the Transporter Room podcast, uh, she had Amber Joe, the Notorious Angel, from over in the UK on, a uh, past guest of this show as well, and a stellar interview that if you haven't uh, listened to it yet, make sure to check that out um, as well. Uh, a lot of fun over there. Always fun to hear from Amber. Um, and Amber and Carly, uh, that that conversation went places that was a whole lot of fun and really um, touched me in uh, my nerdy, nerdy little brain. But for today, the extra side of, uh, of the double... The doubleheader? The doubleheader. We'll go with that. The, the wrestling doubleheader here on the Outsports Podcast Network this week. We have a, uh, a very fun guest and someone who um, has been making a name for herself in, honestly, just the months of her entering career, um, because she's still in the thick of her first year in the ring, uh, the real motherfucker, Sazzy Boatwright. Um, now, I will say that, you know, Sazzy has been making waves uh, since kind of emerging onto the wrestling scene, you know, still training at T2T well, alongside so many other um, bright talents um, under the tutelage of, you know, wrestlers like Logan Black, MV Young, Willow Nightingale up there. Um, but she's really kind of uh, created a, uh, an image and a uh, persona that has spoken to a lot of queer people um, that are either entrenched in pro wrestling or are coming into it through other means, uh, other avenues from culture as well, uh, all encompassing this this attitude that is very, very in-your-face about her identity. And I was excited to finally have the chance to sit down and chat with her in the midst of all of this. You know, obviously... Uh, She's wrestled with uh, IWW up there in New York, and they have a show coming up on the 21st of November called Thoughts and Prayers, uh, which is an LGBTQ-focused uh, show. A number of talents there, um, uh, a number of talents on the show are part of the community. I would say the majority of the talents on that show will be part of the community. We've had a few matches announced so far. Um, Obviously, Billy Dixon putting the Chocolate City Championship on the line against a mystery opponent. Uh, have an open challenge there. Um, also, you know, we have announced so far, I believe, uh, the team of Gabby Ortiz and Eddie McQueen against the Network. Um, another uh, outstanding, young, uh, very openly queer team from the T2T Academy uh, that train alongside Sazzy. But... Um, Ahead of that, I wanted to have the chance to sit and talk with Sazzy because I think her journey to pro wrestling, um, as much as we've enjoyed watching uh, the past less than a year of watching, uh, of seeing Sazzy kind of take ownership of 
her identity in pro wrestling and you know present to us this this new character uh for her uh the journey to that point for sazzy uh i think resonates or has the ability to resonate with a lot of people um and we get into a lot of that here you know everything from you know her uh past struggles with um with substance abuse all the way through like finding wrestling through of all places improv comedy um and just to kind of see how all these things kind of meld together into how you know i'll let her describe um how how she feels on, on these things because this conversation was a whole lot of fun whole lot of laughs and um also probably the single most times i haven't listened to every podcast in the world so i could be wrong about this but probably the most uh references to fucking someone's mom in a single podcast um so another record in the books baby um anyway but before we get to that conversation i do want to touch from some of the news of the week you know um like like we tend to do here because there's always news um and probably the main thing that i wanted to touch on uh in this little section here is some of the news surrounding um referee chris levin and camp leapfrog and bonesaw brooks um earlier this week bonesaw uh posted uh her own speaking out um account um basically you know identifying uh chris levin who you know was a former partner of hers uh, and, and calling him out for some very predatory uh abusive and manipulative behavior throughout their relationship and through that we saw some other uh people that claimed to have um you know, been with uh, Chris Levin, dated Chris Levin in the past, kind of corroborate a lot of that stuff. And, of course, we saw apolog- the uh, apology from uh, Levin that came out the, um, on online where, you know, he basically denied the more abrasive terminology that was used um, and the uh, more direct... Um, accusations but at the same time said that you know he realized that he was a bad boyfriend um which interpret that how you will um but you know there's also a a video apology that's been um circulating a bit and uh, this whole situation has kind of um brought the speaking out movement back into light as if it ever really left the light for for a lot of people you know, I, it might have left the purview of, of a good chunk of the wrestling community, but for a lot of people, it is still squarely in in front of them, um, and something that is continuing to be something that that is causing a reckoning in, in a lot of places. I know that you know Tara Calloway has been setting up a lot of um, needed needed resources um, for helping to improve. Uh, the independent pro wrestling community, the pro wrestling community as a whole, when it comes to you know holding people accountable, uh, making sure that there are um, you know guidelines and that there are best practices um, from from everything from shows all the way down to training, um, whenever it comes to combating and trying to um, eliminate these cultures of abuse and these cultures of harassment. Um, from the pro wrestling world uh and all of this this week with um 
with uh, Levin has also kind of poured over into Camp Leapfrog, which you know is a company that we've covered on this show in the past. We've had people that have worked with Camp Leapfrog on the show. Casey and I, I think we reviewed one of their. I think that we we talked about their Valentine's Day show um, on the podcast in the in the past as well. So it's it's a company that that has been lauded for its like fresh voice in the independent pro wrestling world, its its atmosphere, and featuring a whole lot of queer talent. You know, we had Killian McMurphy on, who was added to the creative team there, um, right around the time that that Killian Vision came out in June, um, and all of this kind of bubbled up with Camp Leapfrog, um, with High Tension Wrestling, which is the the company that owns. Camp Leapfrog, um, severing ties with Levin, and postponing all 2021 events uh, for for now. So you know they're and doing so so that they could reevaluate the um, the place that Camp Leapfrog has. You know, will it continue? What form will it take if it does continue? Um, because you know, I think a lot of people kind of th- thought that. Levin was the kind of owner-operator of that because he had such a forward-facing and um, massive role in the running of that uh, promotion there, or that offshoot of High Tension that that was there. Um, obviously, like that wasn't the case. He was never the owner. He uh, he did a lot of the talent relations stuff there. He booked a lot of the talent. He was also I'm from what I understand, he was also part of the creative team there. So him being gone does leave you know, a gaping hole at, for Camp Lee Frog, which I can totally understand why um, the people that do own it want to take some time to figure out what is the best next step for that promotion because. I, obviously, Camp Leapfrog can exist. Can exist. I just want to make sure I enunciate that. It can exist without Chris Levin. Um, you still have a number of uh, outstanding people on that creative team between Sam Laterna, Killian McMurphy, Big Dust. Um, I'm sure there are others that are not publicly out there that are working there as well. Um, and I think that you can still maintain the, the voice and place that that is there. But that is... From an overall wrestling perspective, that is something to keep an eye on going forward. But for myself and for a lot of people, I think, in this show in particular, um, we just want to reach out to Bonesaw and um, you know offer our support and and thank you for having the the strength to share your story because you know as we've seen, yes. The response to the speaking out movement has been um, up and down, depending on you know different facets, different stories, different people, really, um, over the past year and a half or so, that all of this really sparked up in mass. But at the same time, um, those that are continuing that fight and are trying to hold pro wrestling accountable to it, you know, I think that those people definitely have. Uh, Bonesaw's back and um, want to see pro wrestling get better. And that's the ultimate goal coming out of all of this is that we make pro wrestling better for all of us. For anybody that wants to get into this, pro wrestling needs to clean up its act. You know, it needs to stop enabling 
these kind of people. So, um, just wanted to touch on that real quick before we hop into the interview. Um, and then one more thing, uh, actually, now that I think about it, actually a couple more things. So, well, obviously, last week, um, if you listened to the show with, with Jay, which is a really fun show for me, um, you also heard that we have a date for the QWI 200. Yes, so the QWI 200 um, is going to be released over a seven-day period, um, starting on December 3rd and ending on December 9th. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're looking at your calendar right now, December 9th, that's a Thursday. We're planning something, something to tie into the QWI 200 for that Thursday's podcast. I'm holding that a little close to the vest right now, but we're gonna we're making that week uh, all about. QWI, all about queer pro wrestling, all about the LGBTQ identities that make pro wrestling um, and covering pro wrestling from this perspective and watching pro wrestling from this perspective so vibrant and so um, entertaining and just so heartwarming. Um, Also, there are still a few days left to get your nominations in for the QWI Awards. See, I do the QWI 200, but I am starting the QWI Awards this year um, celebrating the annual achievements of LGBTQ pro wrestlers for all of you to join in with that uh, with me. So nominations are open. You can find the uh, the form to nominate all of your favorites in the various categories that are there on the LGBT in the Ring Twitter page at LGBT Ring Pod, as well as I think it's posted on my personal one as well at Wonderboy OTM. Either way, you can find it there. Get in your nominations. You have until November 14th to nominate your favorites in those categories, and then we'll have the final nominations announced later this month, and that'll be open to all of you to vote. This is your chance to voice your opinion on who you think have been the best, most outstanding LGBTQ participants in the pro wrestling world for 2021 and I will say the responses so far it's been a lot and I enjoyed seeing all of it I want more keep sending them in keep sending them in Um, and then last but not least before we get to the interview um, did see that the uh, Paris is bumping account tweeted this week uh, and it was a simple one it's just simply the number three think we're getting a third Paris is bumping event. I think we got a little bit of confirmation that we're getting a third Paris is bumping. I know I'll be keeping an eye out. Um, I hope, hopefully we'll hear more soon. Um, but I'm excited after, after seeing the first one, you know, at home and being live in the building for the second one. Uh, I truly, truly cannot wait for a third Paris is bumping event personally. So that's exciting news to see. And with that excitement, wrap off things there, let's jump into my conversation with <laughs> the real motherfucker, Sazzy Boatwright. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I'm excited to have as my guest this week someone who has been uh, bursting onto the scene in the little bit that she has been in pro wrestling over the course of 2021 here. Um, You've known her from shows with uh, IWW as well as uh, Polyam Woodstock. Uh, Honestly, there's really no other way to describe her, honestly. Not A, but the 
real motherfucker, <laughs> Sazzy Boatwright. <laughs> Welcome to LGBT in the Ring. Oh, it's so nice to be here, Brian. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we were just laughing before we went on the air. And now I'm like, uh, man, what if I don't sound good? <laughs> what, if I don't, what if I don't make I'm not funny once he hits record um not that that's my fucking job as a wrestler but um yeah I am um honored to be all I'm trying to say is that I'm still waking up from my nap and I'm yes. honored to be here <laughs> no honestly like you don't you don't have to be funny you don't have to be anything <laughs> like this is just a conversation between you and me about <laughs> some dope ass pro wrestling experiences and and yourself so like in in that instance like no pressure no pressure at all (laughs) nobody Um, else can hear me now or ever (laughs) (laughs) just you and me here exactly okay we're in our in our little bubble for right now (laughs) (laughs) no but it's it's been really interesting to watch over the past year like the rise of sassy boat right like obviously like you're still in training with at t2t Mm -hmm. in brooklyn you've done a number of shows in association with iww which is attached to t2t um but and you've and you've had like a few appearances here and there but so much about your personality and the portrayal of yourself this like just unabashed queer lesbian just threatening to fuck people's moms like all the time (laughs) like there's just like it's just so um abrasive isn't the right word but it's like a good version of it if that makes sense (laughs) it's like it's like a fun dog exactly (laughs) no it's just it's just it's just really awesome to see like this burst of personality in a way that i think pro wrestling hasn't really seen in terms of like lesbian representation in a while and i really wanted to have the chance to chat with you obviously we have thoughts and prayers coming up from iww on the 21st of this month um and which i understand that you're going to be on that show but so much about your own about what you what we've seen from you over the past year or so since you debuted um has been really awesome to watch and and i just kind of wanted to like pick your brain a bit about this because it seems like there's a lot going on with 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 this and and with your story as well just like some of the the little things that i've that i've picked up here and there so i'm excited to have the chance to chat with you as well i'm uh, honestly like just hearing you say all of that is like an out of body experience for me because i uh as a wrestler as a performer as a performer and a wrestler i feel like um i've just really been able to kind of yeah like sazzy is the kind of person i've always wanted to be she's my hero you know mm. um like uh, I mean, you know, Sarah Boatwright's all well and good, but like, Sazzy was is like this person that like, yeah, she kind of um, she is unapologetic in this way that I um was really I was I've uh, I've been a very apologetic person for most of my life, you know, like a very very shy, fearful person. So it's kind of funny because I um like I think of myself as like a shy fearful person uh or like a like an unapologetic 
unabashed person, Sazzy, inside like this shell of fear shy, <laughs> fearful shy person. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but that shell is like gone, you know, um, in the wrestling community. And that's really refreshing, you know, it's really nice to to um have kind of had the past it's honestly and it's only been eight months like if we're being completely honest it's only been since like april and maybe even less time because the first time i ever said i was gonna fuck somebody's mom was like (laughs) like (laughs) three or four months into training so that really was like maybe six months ago holy shit what a journey um yeah that's where it all started um Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah so don't let me derail this conversation with me my rambling oh no you're not derailing anything (laughs) like honestly like you bringing up like this the these this ability that being in pro wrestling has kind of given you to kind of break out of this this shell of this shy not necessarily reserved but more like um maybe more of an internal monologue type person you know a little mm-hmm. bit more cautious and to see what you've been able to to kind of transform into through sazzy i think speaks a lot to what we've seen overall when it comes to lgbtq presences in in pro wrestling over the past few years you know yes like you have a lot of queer wrestlers going out on shows that are run by straight promoters that are predominantly straight rostered and still doing great stuff and that sort of thing but whenever we get into our own spaces there is a completely different level of blossoming. Like I know you were there for Paris is bumping solid gold. Um, Oh my God. That show had to be the single queerest thing I've ever attended in my entire fucking life. And you don't get spots like that without um, people feeling that level of comfort and having people that are mindful enough to create those spaces in that way. So I think that, that your, your experiences speak to an overall experience from, from what I see. I love that. I never, ever thought about, you know, cause everybody, everybody's like coming out experience is so personal, but it is really universal. And I think that, um, yeah, like, I was telling you before we were on the air, like I was really late to the game. Like, I guess you could still call me a baby gay, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But in lesbian years, I'm like seven, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I need to stop stop making dog parallels. (laughs) Like I'm a dog person. (laughs) (sighs) So, but, but yeah, I think that like, um, it's just the beginning, right? Like, there has to be so much more of this on the horizon because there's just like this real hotbed of talent um, blossoming in the indie scene. And even like, I guess AEW is like kind of doing its part fostering some like higher level queer talent, but like, there's so much more, man, there's so much more that, that, that we can do. And it's really exciting, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. No, it, it is really awesome to see that this is not just an independent wrestling thing. You do have major companies mm-hmm. to varying degrees, um, you know, hiring queer talent, featuring queer talent. Like, obviously, like you had AEW, Impact, even WWE to an extent, even though they won't let, they won't actually say the word gay on their broadcast. Um, <laughs> they'll just go, they'll just go send you to little daddy and everybody's like, I don't get it. 
Yeah, just throw just throw a rainbow flag in your back pocket. Call you daddy. Thumbs up. We're that we got the bases covered in that way. Um, <laughs> no shade to Sonia. Love you. Um, <laughs> but but it's, it is interesting to see like the overall wrestling uh, ecosystem really move towards a different uh, cultural approach to queer identities in, in that way. And it's, it's not just contained to the independent scene where I, I think uh, things can, niche can flourish more than on mm. a stage like AEW or, or Impact or, you know, even Ring of Honor in whatever form they're going to be at whenever, the, whenever they come back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, the, oh man, yeah. It's nice too, cause I don't know, is it just me? Cause also I'm like still kind of new to the whole scene. Like I've been, I've been around, but I'm like, maybe not uh, uh, that observant, but I feel like the indie scene and the pro scene are like really more like intertwined and more like fluid than ever, I think. I don't know, maybe because of AEW having like dark elevation and stuff and, and things like that, like more TV opportunities. But to me, it just feels like uh, not, not as like, um, not as much of a cast system <laughs> as it has in the past. <laughs> no, I could definitely, I could definitely agree with you on that. I think, you know, those, those YouTube shows from AEW definitely have created more opportunities for people and have brought more attention to independent wrestling, I think. And in that way, I mean, so much so that we're talking on the same day that, that Eddie Kingston dropped his article at the Players Tribune and you're looking at Eddie Kingston. That's somebody who, came in on just like you know bring or bring you cut a promo on cody we'll bring you in you've been an indie stalwart for a while no promises and then just from the sheer like power of of personality that he has he gets uh, a movement to sign him and he's with AEW now you don't get that opportunity without AEW being open to bringing on uh independent talent in that way um, so many people at AEW have been signed through that through that pipeline um and then now i think a lot of other companies are willing to work more with independent talent you know, just this past week we had uh jay vidal on the show last week and he debuted on impact so like you're seeing cool. so you're seeing all these people that are being pulled from the independent scene and getting more opportunities on nationally televised programming and it is creating this relationship between the two i think um mm -hmm. so yeah i think you're spot on there like, I, I can't think of another era outside of, like, the territories of the 80s and 70s where, like, that was more, where that sort of relationship was stronger. And really, that relationship didn't really exist back then because that was just, that was how wrestling was structured. So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Cool. Great. Great. Yeah. Great. Get that out in the open. Yes. <laughs> no, definitely not just you. But... I do want to focus on on your experience though, because I think that it's been it's been really fun to watch you kind of grow into Sazzy over the over the past uh, less than a year, and um, so much so that like you've already had like so many different little moments uh, that have stood out to so many people and have endeared so many people to you, and it was really interesting for me to find out in our conversation before we started recording here that you actually didn't come out until the pandemic hit. See, yeah. I'm I'm sitting here 
like you're out here bragging about fucking people's moms and all this other shit and i'm thinking like this is like one of the most empowered queer people i've seen in a while they must have been like fucking building up their confidence for years i was shocked to find that out talk to me a little bit about that experience like kind of what led you to coming out through the pandemic and and has kind of brought you to to where you are now at this confidence level that you have well first of all when i came out almost every single person I told were like even my parents were like I knew it <laughs> like, look at you look at you you know they were like because like I looked as gay as I do now like before I came out you know I've always been a tomboy I've always like really liked getting like my hands dirty and doing really like physically demanding things um and, uh, you know, I, so it, it seems like the next logical step. And it's funny because um, I'm also an actor um, by trade and like my agents and managers always set me out for gay roles. I went out for Batwoman. I went out for the new Powerpuffs girl because there's a gay chick on there. I went out for the L word generation Q. I got cast as a non-binary person by John Cameron Mitchell, like on this like podcast uh, series that he created a couple years, a few years ago now. And, um, you know, it kind of felt like I was being groomed to be this gay icon who was actually <laughs> straight. And I was like, there's definitely a precedent for it. Who is it? I think it's Sean Hayes from Will and Grace. He came out after he was on that show. I was like, what is happening? You know, so it's kind of like, it's it's like other people saw it before I did. And um, I think that like the universe was just like trying to give me the gentle message. Like for many years before I actually just was like, you know what? It's just time to come out. You know, it's time to stop playing around you know and um and you know a big in, in incentive also was that I met my girlfriend who is amazing and uh I don't know that I would have so readily come out if it weren't for her but at the same time like I I've never felt I I do you know what I mean when I say this? Like, I've never felt less resistance from the universe as when I came out and when I became a pro wrestler. Like, things just went, like, doors open, like, the slip and slide was on, you know? Like, mm -hmm. there was, like, zero friction in the whole process. I was welcomed with open arms, you know? Like, um, yeah, it was, mm -hmm. it's, like... Those are the two two places that I knew I needed to be. It's almost Weir like you're and wrestler. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. It, it, it feels like you're almost like further down the path than you realize. And you turn around and see the distance that you've traveled already and not realizing yeah. like, oh, this is what it's like whenever I don't like have something to like push back against or like something that doesn't have as much of, a, of an obstacle presented in front of it, or, or whether it's something of my own creation or someone else's. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. totally get that feeling. I kind of I kind of got that feeling a bit whenever I got into this line of work. <laughs> there so yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you completely. No. Um talk to, what what was the impetus for, for you coming out? Obviously, like you you speak about your relationship with your girlfriend. Um was was she like the main 
driving force in your decision or your realization about that? Or like what kind of led you to finally coming out? Um, you know, I, um, I, it's a good question because uh, literally right up until the end, I was fucking around with guys, you know, like I just was like constantly barking up the wrong tree, going to the cold places, going to the hardware store for oranges, which is a sobriety saying, but whatever, but, um, just like really kind of, um, like looking for like instant gratification where well you know what this is really in line with just like my whole sobriety story too because I'm sober um Mm. I have a a drug and alcohol abuse problem and so I'm really used to finding to to like looking for things where I shouldn't be looking for them and Mm. I think it was kind of like um an extension of that you know after I got sober I was kind of like couldn't figure out like the love and intimacy thing so I just kept doing what like you know my friends and family kept telling me to do I mean it wasn't like people were like you're right bad you know but at the same time like like I do remember those like moments when I was a pre-adolescent where I was like what are people gonna say if I sleep next to my girlfriend in bed you know like what am I what are people gonna say if I go to sleepover you know like, am I gay? Uh, are they gonna think I'm gay? Um, because you know how how much we hated those homos in the nineties. Oh, and the early yeah. <laughs> Definitely. If you know were that. gay, you were stupid and dumb. Um, so, so yeah. Um, I uh, yeah. So I think that it was probably a lot of cultural stuff too, which is funny because um I come from Columbus Ohio and by way of Indiana so it's semi-rural but it's also like Columbus is a very queer place but it's like a cisgender white gay man place you Mm, know what I mean and that's different from like being a queer place at least historically it has been I think nowadays it's like a very progressive cool place um but yeah so it was kind of like yeah I just it was just one of those things where I was like well I love that. I love everything about that. And I identify with it and it's, but it's not, but I'm not in that. I'm not, not me. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just like, I'm, I'm just an exception to it, but I'm, but I somehow I'm not, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, which sounds like entitlement. Um, but yeah, so, uh, um, I could I can't tell you what exactly it was besides maybe having like a lot of alone time at the beginning of the pandemic. I spent two months in the Catskills with my sister and my brother-in-law, who I love, but it was like a lot of time alone. You know, they were actually still working and I would kind of like literally wander into the woods by myself <laughs> day after day. <laughs> doing some soul searching um but also just like feeling like I was in a deep hibernation like I was waking up to the fact that I was like very very much asleep to like who I was and what I needed and when I came back to Brooklyn I tried the same shit that I did before the last guy I dated uh it's <laughs> fucking other people during the pandemic and I was like why do I keep doing this like 
why do I keep putting myself in these terrible positions with these terrible people? And he literally walked out my door. I said, please leave. And he walked out my door and um, I got right on an app and I just changed my settings. I changed the settings immediately. Mm-hmm. And then like a fucking lesbian friend of mine matched with me and I was like, get out of here. You know what I mean? I was just like, stop doing this. Fucking Brooklyn, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so um, I think Cha, my girlfriend, was like the third person I swiped on on Bumble. You know, <laughs> it was like one of those situations where it was like, yep, as soon as I said yes to the thing, it worked out. Not that like the end game is always like finding your partner or whatever, because I didn't actually think that that was my end game. But I was like, wow, uh, that's insane how well that worked out, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's it's an interesting thing, because I think a lot of people did have a similar, somewhat similar experience at the beginning of the pandemic. I think a lot of us obviously were like shut in our houses or somewhere else you know, mm-hmm. um, and had a lot of time to kind of sit with ourselves and really, you know, whether you want to or not, your mind wanders and you really take a take stock of a lot of things around you. And, you know, obviously we're seeing that on a larger cultural level, but I think another thing that can really explain that is just the sizable amount of people like yourself that have come out in pro wrestling mm-hmm. The to see the amount of people that have come out in pro wrestling over the course of of the pandemic has been yeah. amazing to see, and I don't know if that can all one hundred percent be attributed to an experience like like you're describing, but it does speak to a level of comfort or a level of education of self that arguably I don't know if without having that time to sit and really spend with yourself that you would necessarily find Mm -hmm. no i think that i think it was like (laughs) i uh remember when everybody i don't know some white ladies were like nature is healing itself and then like everybody kept saying nature is healing after like everything because it was so funny um but it kind of rang true where like I don't think, I mean, whatever about the fucking world healing itself, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't by giving us this virus, but I think a lot of us healed ourselves. I think like having that incubation period was really important for a lot of people and um, for better or for worse, you know, yeah, like we all had to kind of like sit down and look at our shit for extended periods of time and like not walk away from it because we couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. and um I, uh, yeah, I fully believe that, like, I'm just one of many who were catching that wave at that time. I mean, come on, look at 2020. There was fucking the the George Floyd protests. I mean, oh my gosh, like, that was, that was like the most monumental year of our lives, I feel. At least, uh, speaking for myself, that was the most monumental year of my life. No, I Um, definitely agree with you on that. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was nothing like seeing I was in Austin for my birthday which is October 29th and there was nothing like seeing a bunch of Trump protests on a highway <laughs> on my birthday <laughs> ah! alright so anyways um, yeah 
but uh, I did not think that we would be getting this real today, but I'm really glad I took that nap because I was, re I'm ready for it. Awesome. No, like I, <laughs> I, I am here for, for the real conversation, honestly, because like there is, because like there is a lot that kind of, before you even like stepped in the ring at T2C, really, there's a lot that of like growth that you went through you know just from the short conversation that we've had so far like you know obviously your journey to with sobriety and 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 you know you know dealing with with your substance abuse stuff there and then coming out and you know realizing how like the two intersect in a way and finding like this completely new person in, in a way that that you are now um it's been i don't know like knowing that and then looking at Sazzy Boatwright, the wrestler, it really kind of speaks to what we see as fans when, when we're watching you in the ring um, or just on Twitter in general. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Man, never thought I'd be able to harness that medium. Unbelievable what mom fucking does for you. Um, you know, but that's, that's, I mean, I'm honored to hear that. Um, I, uh, it's all that I could want, you know, is just to have this like kind of honest amalgamation of all these things that I've kind of learned and been working on, you know, because I think that there are a lot of facets of um, my performance, my performance as a wrestler that have been in practice for like many, many years. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I was really fucking scared to go back to wrestling training. I had been training in 2018. I want to say I trained on and off for like six months. It really non-committally. And like, I loved it, but I hated it. You know what I mean? Like I just, it, it just wasn't a nurturing place. And it wasn't any fault of the people who were training me at that time. I actually had pretty great trainers, but it was also like, there was just, there was just a hierarchy to the whole training um environment that I was not I wasn't really part of you know because I was a woman and I was new and um I'm I am my age I don't know if that really had anything to do with it but uh I just didn't feel part of I just didn't feel part of you know maybe it was me but at that particular time it just wasn't like the right fit so I wasn't sure what to expect when I walked into T2T. And the day I walked into T2T was the same day I walked out of a very toxic job situation that was defining me as a person. Um, so it was just like a very fraught time <laughs> and, and pandemic, you know, and gay. Um, newly gay, newly pandemic. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I, when I walked in the TTT, I honestly, like, I think I slept all day before I went in there to train because I was so, like, filled with anxiety and fear about what could happen and about me not, because I've always had this dream of being a pro wrestler, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy because nobody knew it, you know, like, friends and family are like, really, you know, um, because a lot of people still don't know what I do. Like outside of, no, my mom doesn't know anything about my Twitter. So please don't, oh, please don't tell Eileen, okay? Don't worry. Eileen will never know from my lips. Yeah. 
<laughs> I know how you and my mom are. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, chatty. Yeah, very. <laughs> mm-hmm. Changing her number, mm, however that works. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, it's just been like kind of this funny thing because in my mind and in my body and in my heart, like I know that this uh, is a very perfect fit for me based on like all of my previous experiences. But at the same time, it is like on the, on the outside, I'm afraid it's reading a bit like, uh, like, um, batshit crazy millennial chick, you know, (laughs) Like, like another millennial crisis, you know? Um, but I know it's not, so that's all that matters. Anyways, yeah. I I feel like I got off topic there somehow, but let's just no going. You're totally fine. <laughs> no, honestly, what I I you actually brought up something I wanted to ask you next because you know, like you said, you trained a little bit in 2018 and then took mm-hmm. a years long break before coming to T2T. What was that initial push for you to get into pro wrestling? Like, where did that come from? Like you said your friends and family didn't really know that you were like super interested in, in being a pro wrestler, but Mm -hmm. where did that kind of generate for you? Okay. So I have been saying that it started when I was in comedy more or less. Yes. So I have to actually give credit where credit's due. And like my friend, Rusty, Rustin Nichols, if he's listening, um, took me to my first ever live pro wrestling event um which was which was an evolve at la boom in woodside and um and on that particular evolve card oh my god it was loaded it was like fred yay hi it was like <laughs> um it was like zach saber jr was um was the main event chris hero was there Drew Gulak was there with Tracy Williams. Uh, Matt Riddle was there. Uh, it was like basically one of the last shows that a bunch of those dudes did before going on to NXT. Mm. And um, and they were all just like, you know, still selling their merch at their tables and shit. So like uh, I was still drinking at the time. And I was with a group of real fun friends who <laughs> were drinking too. And we were all non-wrestling fans. And you know like we got a little we got a little sloppy and and we're just like talking to all of these guys you know and like I think they were a little taken with us because we weren't wrestling fans and like they um don't see that very much you know yeah I was also with like a couple of like smoking hot chicks and one of them was like wearing Tracy's shirt and like taking cute like hipstery pictures with it and stuff so I think it was just like a whole like hubba hubba situation and um but yeah but I did get talking to oh and um Johnny Gargano was there I got talking to Johnny and Drew and I actually kind of kept up like a like a bit of a pen pal ship with Johnny for a second there um because we connected to the fact we were both from Ohio and um we might have even had like mutual friends on Facebook or something I don't know but we were kind of like chit-chatting every once in a while on messenger and i was just like he just let me let me pick his brain about like his wrestling career because i was like oh certainly you've like had um i was a big ufc fan for a while that was like that was like my acceptable form i like when i wanted to watch wrestling i was watching ufc instead like when i wanted to look at chicks 
I was watching UFC you know, <laughs> with my with my boyfriend. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, that's really where it started. Was like at that show, and then like watching all those guys get propelled to success um, was really cool. But the other huge thing that I took away from that experience was there were no fucking women on that show. Mm-hmm. There was one female valet and she got to like, I don't know, angle pick somebody or something. It was dumb. You know, I was yeah. just like, why? I even remember turning rusty. I was like, where are all the women at? You know, I was like, I could do this. I could fucking do this. You know, I was drinking like $12 PBR. Like I can do this. And, um, and you know, I think really deep down in my, in my sloppy little heart at that time, I was like, I could do this. You know, and I think that maybe it was just like one of those moments where it like stuck with me. You know, I was like, I think that there's something there. So, you know, I started dabbling with wrestling again. But okay, so then fast forward to I was at um Upright Citizens Brigade, um, which I had been kind of like uh I had been in and around UCB for like several years. And doing the improv thing, doing stand-up comedy here and there, you know. And um, there was this big popular show called Cage Match on Thursday nights at UCB. It was like a midnight uh, improv competition show. And at the improv, and at the intermission of the show, there was something called UCBW. And what I didn't know at the time was UCBW was run by this kid, Mitch Fesh, who, um, and then this other guy, Pat Bear, who is like really well known in the co- in the gaming community, I guess now. I don't yeah, know, I know, you know who he is. I know Pat. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So Pat and Fesh were like running UCBW at the time, and they had kind of a cute roster. They had like Anna Dresden doing Bridezilla. They had like um, this guy with really long nuts that my friend Peter uh, played. Um, God, what was his name? Whatever. Uh, uh, Rob Spencer, who's delight Dan, the goddamn candy man. He was um, laundry mat for a while. He had played like a number of like different <laughs> bizarre heel characters. He was like a heel <laughs> laundry kid. Um, whatever. So, but they had like this this kind of funny roster, and they would like put on these little matches, like these little wrestling matches that were terrible, but they were awesome because. You know, it was like these these two comedians who had carved out these amazing little gimmicks and were like putting moves on each other as these gimmicks. And it was like a lot of acting and pantomiming and not a lot of like contact or anything, but I still just love the concept. And um, then one night, every once in a while, like a real wrestler would come in. Mm. And what I found out was, was Fesh had been training at Chikara. So his um, coaches at the time were like Gulak, um, Dustin, Orange Cassidy, you know, um, Ophidian, the Ants, you know, and um, uh, what was next? Oh, so in some, it was like some random night. It was like, there was no occasion for it, but it was a random night. Fashion managed to get in like Dustin, Gulak, um, 
song uh this guy whose name i can never remember and i feel like it's like swolly mcswole or something <laughs> but he was like he was like on the chikar roster at the time fire ant was there i think ophidian might have showed up too and then like several ucbw people they had this giant like scramble you know and it was like at, at the intermission of and I'm telling when I tell you nobody gave a shit about comedy wrestling at these shows, I'm telling you it was like it was like the beer break guy times a thousand. Like, and they were disrespectful. You know, it was like it would like die. The audience, like the life would be sucked out of the audience when that show came on stage, except for me. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> me and like a small group of people were like, fuck yeah, I love UCBW. Like, I love this shit. And um, yeah, so I got involved after I saw all that shit, you know, after I watched like um, all those guys just totally buy into the comedy of it and do like the like really dumb stuff, you know, like I think there was a there was a, a, a spot where like they all got electrocuted or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was really great. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up contacting professional. I was like, how do I get in it? You know, how do I do it? And I pitched him some character ideas. And then, like, um, I ended up joining the roster as Bear Girls, who is a, um, <laughs> who is a reality TV survival, survivalist. And I had this cameraman with me, cameraman Kevin. And he was, you know, a guy in, like, a safari vest with, like, my my old, like, handheld dvr uh camcorder and he would just like get in the way and you know he would facilitate spot he was like a terrible manager kind of valet person mm -hmm. and um he would botch spots but he would also like win me matches sometimes by just like being in the way you know what i mean <laughs> and yeah. um we would like do spots we would do high spots and then i'd be like did you catch it okay roll it back and then we would do it again and uh did you catch it? You know, so <laughs> it was really dumb, but it was fun. And, um, so I did bear girls and then like Fesh started another comedy wrestling show called extremely serious wrestling. Oh, I love this show so much. <laughs> and, um, Rob, Rob and I also did that show together. Rob, that's where Del delightful Dan uh first made his uh, appearance mm. and he also worked a gimmick called uh douglas fur who was like this big nasty uh conifer tree peel <laughs> it was a tree he was a tree that wrestled so he looked like a fucking christmas tree and he would like you know do these like crazy like branch smacking you know he was like all strikes like this you know yeah and um and uh yeah there were some other ones like we had like this we had like the four horsemen it was like barn anderson rick mayer <laughs> it was just like dudes, <laughs> dudes wearing like these terrible horse masks you know and they couldn't see anything um but my gimmick it continues to be my gimmick in xsw because it's still technically uh, alive but um i'm carmen cardio so it's pretty close to vest for me i'm a trainer in real life i just played the super duper baby face trainer you know who would like get in there and do like jazzercise type 
moves and you know show mm-hmm. off my my um aerobics prowess <clears throat> in the ring <laughs> and um yeah so honestly like it started there and it started as like fesh just fesh and i renting a studio in midtown and he would just show me everything he learned at chikara the week prior like mm-hmm. He would just be like, okay, now let's try a tilt a whirl head scissor. <laughs> be like, okay. And it was like a hardwood floor. Oh, <laughs> We've God. Got like a hardwood floor. And fortunately, Fesh is like a very coordinated, strong person. So um, he, like, he managed to really teach me how to do a head scissor like pretty well um, without the ring. <laughs> it's still just like, you know, when I went in to train, um, in 2018, like I, uh, I, I knew how to do a tilt twirl head scissor, but I didn't know how to, um, take a bump. You know what I mean? It was just very lopsided like that. And, um, yeah, but so that was where, that's where it all started. And I really was like all that time wanting to call myself a pro wrestler, but I knew I couldn't because it was just kind of like, that's not real wrestling, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but I think that that's sort of like, you know, I think that's where it started for a lot of us. And like Rob has been a huge influence on me because, um, he's the one who told me about, he actually told all of the XSW people about it. He's like, Hey man, like, I know that <clears throat> a lot of you are really interested in, um, actually wrestling. Like this place is amazing. It's incredibly inclusive. The trainers are great. You know, you should just come by and check it out. And a number of us did. But I think like it was me and Rob that kind of stuck around. And then, um, but every once in a while we get like um, a couple of the other guys coming in. But yeah, so as it turns out, there's just like this big cross section of comedy and wrestling in New York City. And that's really where the intersection is. (laughs) That's it's wild to me because like I was aware of the cage match show back really i was because so here's i was basically through pad um uh so back my my real roots are in video game journalism okay and so i think that's where i really like was that was my first like trying to enter into this before i started covering wrestling and stuff like that and so through Mm -hmm. that i like like covered a lot of events and stuff like that including paxes and um I remember my introduction to Pat was through the video game wrestling things that they would do at PAX, you know, whether it be like the, the League of Heels stuff that they would do where, you know, Pat and some other people would be there. A lot of like video game journalists and video game developers would just play No Mercy on N64. Um, but they also ended up getting Chikara people in there too. I remember specifically Argus and Ophidian showing up at, at one event. So like through through that was how I got introduced to Pat and then following Pat to Cage Match. And then I didn't really I didn't know about Extremely Serious, but I definitely mm-hmm. remember Cage Match and you know being uh, a little uh by boy down in Georgia, being like, when can I get to Brooklyn to, to like or when can I get to New York to check out one of these shows? Because like it just always seemed like a really fun idea. So it's really, really wild to see like this, like the, to know that like you were involved in that or like got involved in that. And that was really like your bridge into this world. It's just such a small world. Yeah. 
It really is. And like, you know, it's funny is that people were at one point, not many people, but some people were traveling to come see us like from far away. Um, you know, Tiffany, um, I don't remember what her podcast name is, but she means like every show, every show ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the last time I saw her was like at the showboat in um, Atlantic City, or maybe even since then, because whatever. But um, she, I think she lives in Atlanta or Florida. She would come up. She would come up every time we had a show, which was once a month. Mm-hmm. Just to, I mean, probably to see, watch a lot of wrestling, but she would make a point to come see our show too. And I was just like, that's so rad. You know what I mean? Like, um that was the first time that I really like understood what like being a wrestling fan really was <laughs> you know it was like travel for us <laughs> um but it was it, I mean it's just like its own weird and wonderful thing yeah Pat Pat um never really got a lot very involved in XSW but he would come to a lot of our shows too and he was super supportive and um you know, like, I think the first time that we ever, I think I made a reference to Chikara in an improv set one time, and he saw it, and he was like, you want to talk about Chikara? And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, um, been waiting for this, um, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of funny, it felt like really, it feels really similar, like comedy and and wrestling um a lot of similar facets to it mm-hmm. no it definitely seems like like a lot of the skills that you develop through you know acting in comedy especially a, like improv like that play mm-hmm. so much into what your is expected of you in pro wrestling you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it does it feels like a logical stepping stone in that way there's a, yeah. a lot of relationships there and I, and honestly, like I didn't realize that Rob was part of was part of that show either. So like that, it makes t- mm-hmm. seeing delightful Dan now makes com- way more sense now. Knowing like where both of y'all came from and how y'all came to this, because like there's so there's so much about delightful Dan that's just oh my god, like <laughs> Dan should be so over. You know what I mean, like. He gives me shit all the time for like getting over as much as I have in the time that I have. And I'm like, man, but though, like, take, take my, take my followers, you know, like they'll like you better in the long run. People are really going to fucking delightful Dan is, is going to be over as fuck. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna, he's, he's so good. He gets, he's gotten so good in such a short period of time too like I really um I look up to him a lot just for the record just to get it on a recording I look up to Robert Daniel uh the delightful Daniel Candyman a lot (laughs) he's gonna kill me (laughs) I fucked that up Uh, he's gonna kill me All right, Yens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Um, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. 
A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. So you have this this kind of entry point there. You come to TTT. At what point does... Sassy Boatwright, the real motherfucker, take uh, take material for you. When does she take material for me? Yeah, like from me. Yeah, like when 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 does the character start to be like, this is who I want to be in pro wrestling. <laughs> like this mm. is this is who I um this is who I not only want to be but should be per se in in this sort of presentation. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um. So the other reason why I, the other reason I was telling people <laughs> I was getting into pro wrestling to begin with in 2018 was as research for a web series that I wanted to write about a woman breaking into the indie wrestling scene. And um, unfortunately at that time, I just didn't know enough about wrestling, you know, like I just didn't. So as much as I wanted that to happen, I couldn't really like flesh it out to its fullest extent. But at the same time, um, I came up with this character idea for the main character being somebody, you know, very close to myself, but kind of like the, the extremities of which were like turned up to 11. So, you know, like, um, like in real life, this woman is, you know, a somewhat reserved, somewhat kind of like failure to launch late 20 something, early 30 something, single person, broke, you know, like just all of the regular bullshit. And then, so, so then her wrestling persona would be the exact opposite. It would be somebody like outspoken, crass, like devil may care reckless but somehow coming out of every situation unscathed and just like oozing with confidence you know and I called that I called that person wild bitch mm. and wild bitch is my favorite name for a gimmick and nobody would let me do it at xsw <laughs> or ucw but it just was too general <laughs> <You know? laughs> somehow wild bitch is too general of a name 
um yeah so um I was kind of just like almost at a certain point using it as like a cathartic exercise to kind of like figure out who this a uh, one version of Sarah is and who wild bitch is you know so I kind of like turned back to that um little like partial manus manuscript when I started wrestling again when I was thinking about like gimmick ideas and like what I wanted to embody and what kind of you know because I was like oh man it'd be so cool to do like an alien gimmick Chris Atlas you know it'd be so cool to do like a Billy Eilish gimmick Billy starts you know and I was like everything that I kind of was like dreaming about like I had people around me who are like oh yeah that's just like so and so you know Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that what I'm doing is like super, uh, super duper, like anything, unlike anything else. But the thing about the thing about Stazzy is that she's so close to who I am, but just that same difference where it's just like the opposite. She's just the opposite of like the things that I, of the labels that I've adhered to myself over the years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's kind of what it is, you know. I I uh I had this idea that she was gonna be like this uh androgynous psychobilly, like fresh off out of the um auto mechanic, you know, <laughs> kind of yeah. vibe down to like I wanted to wrestle in like coveralls or like overalls or something. I think that's why I stuck with suspenders because it was like a little more flexible. But yeah, so it's just kind of, it's morphed a little bit, but um, yeah, it was, it just started with some like very specific ideas and kind of like uh, is now the result of like a lot of suggestions taken, but also just like following my gut on that. Mm-hmm. And what, oh, and, sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, no, please go ahead. I was that, was, ask, that was it. <laughs> no, no worries. At what, at what point did you feel like this was like a character that you could really infuse your your queerness into it in the way that you have? I think that that's, that was like a prerequisite, you mm. know, was like, I really want that. I really, um, you know, it doesn't bother me to be like um, a sexual uh Timble? I don't know. Like, it doesn't bother me to be a an attractive woman in the ring and be like, uh, you know, recognized as such. I guess. Um, thinking like I'm not any. I'm not a Sonia Deville. You know, I don't have the boobies and the nose and stuff. But you know, at the same time, I um, I really wanted to own the queer part because I think that's what I thought was missing from wrestling still you know I mean Mm -hmm. I knew like the first wrestling match I watched post-pandemic um well the first show I saw was at was a JCW show at the showboat and I walked in and it was Everett Connors and Edith Surreal who I had never seen before you know as Edith Mm -hmm. Surreal at least and um I was so taken with her and I didn't know she was trans you know, like I didn't know. Um, I just thought she was like this beautiful, willowy, magical woman who like flew around the ring like a crazy person. Um, I mean, she is that, but also like there's so much more to her knowing that and the fact that she's like 
kind of worn her transition proudly as part of her gimmick part of her gimmick I don't know maybe I'm like maybe I'm overstepping there but she never like was lying about who she was you know like she's like I'm a they them I'm a blank canvas I know that was given her by Chikara but then becoming E surreal was like a beautiful like um like I don't know um evolution of that I felt I felt like and mm -hmm. um like she was the first wrestler I like really really looked up to because I was like this is this is like this is everything that I could hope to be like as a wrestler, you know, like very authentic, very much like a, um, a voice for queer indie wrestling. And also just like a fucking entertaining wrestler, you know, who's like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like Edith is just her own special kind of thing though. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that was like the first time that I had, that was like super obvious queer, aside from like Sunny Kiss, who I had known who he was. I had known who Sunny Kiss was. <laughs> I would see pictures of him and be like, yes, I want, you're like that chicks. And then I was like, it's Sunny Kiss again. Sunny, it's not a chick, you know? And I was like, oh my God, she's so pretty. Oh my God, it's Sunny Kiss again. <laughs> But I, I think I under, Sunny Kiss accepts all pronouns now. Is that what I understand? So, yes, uh, uh, uses both he and she. Um, yeah, I, gender fluid. Yeah, she's amazing. She's so she, she really um, is. Both, yeah. both her and Edith. Like I'm, I completely second you on both of those. Yeah, just amazing, amazing talents. But like you know, amazing talent and just like beautiful queer icons you know like yes. beautiful and beautiful because they they are very honest about who they are and apologetic about who they are in the ring um so that was really that was probably the biggest input now that i'm like saying it out loud i didn't even realize but yeah it was really kind of like it started there because they were the only two that i knew who were like really out and queer at the time um and then like at T to T, I got to know so many other queer. I mean, everybody at T to T is like queer in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> I've gotten that by from, <laughs> from looking at the trainers and the students. Like, there's, it's it's kind of like if you're straight, you're in the minority there. <laughs> yeah, which is great. You know, we love that. We love that for them. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been. Um, but even you know, like everybody at t2t T come from really really different backgrounds you know like my background is very different from a lot of other people there and also i'm just like kind of a lot older than you know a fair amount of the people who are training there right now um which doesn't you know like it's a, it feels like a very even playing ground because it's very supportive and very like um there's like, there, it's really pretty, pretty judgment free, you know, for what it is. Yeah. Um, the only other, like the other, like, it's almost as judgment free as like an AA meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a positive. But, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. It's not, a, it's not a substitute for AA, but yeah, it's pretty fucking close. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 
it's really been like so heartening to have that experience because I know that like 15 other people are having a similar experience and that means that like there are 15 other people who are maybe gonna hopefully positively shape the indie wrestling scene like in years to come is the idea I don't know but love is blind was also an experiment and look how that went so (laughs) (laughs) no i i think that i think that that uh that mindset is is a very valuable one to have you know because that i i've really i really have like been drawn to t2t through like obviously like logan and mv and 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 tom like speaking to them like there's a lot to really dig into there but then like looking at just the class that's there too like it's not just Mm -hmm. the trainers it's not just the people running it that are creating that environment but it's it's all the people that are there as well just being openly and and freely themselves and it's really created i think a an an envious atmosphere in some ways um i would say um especially now that y'all are starting to get onto shows and you're starting to have like the iww shows and and the opportunities that you've had over the past few months um you made your debut at um oh god why is the name escapes me all the time and um, i know it was iww's like secret show oh uh good good, good, good vibes and dives. and dives yes yeah there we go i was thinking of the, the sh- handshake in the bank and i was like why can't i think of anything besides handshake and fake it's like some toddler screaming handshake in the bag in my ear and I can't hear anything else. But um, yeah, it was good vibes and dives. That mm-hmm. was so fun. Were you there? I was not there, unfortunately. Okay. Like I wish I, I wish I was on the East Coast so I could do more of the stuff. Right. But, but yeah. Where, where are you based again? I'm in Portland. Ah, word. You're as far away as you could possibly get. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I wish I had been there, honestly, because it seemed like such an awesome environment, honestly. And then your match, you know, was, I mean, it was a whole lot of fun between, like, you know, your entrance and then Brandon doing Joey's uh, 420 names leading into yep. like just like an immediate submission and then the moment that really stood out to me and i think it stood out to a lot of people immediately after winning like you're celebrating and then you jump out of the ring and just full-on just like passionately kiss your girlfriend in the crowd <laughs> because like we see a lot like, pro wrestling has a history of like romance in terms of like heterosexual romance that sort of thing and any any real time that we've seen mainstream pro wrestling touch on any idea uh, or, or of queer romance, it is in a somewhat negative light. So obviously the independent pro wrestling scene, we've seen more positive examples of that over the years. Um, but that moment there just felt like such like a flagpole moment in a way for Sazzy. Like it yeah. really just, just like, yo, this is, this is who I, I fucking am. And you're yeah. gonna fucking like it, or I'm gonna fuck your mom. <laughs> <laughs> this is your mom. Um, man, you are, are giving me so much credit right now. And I love that interpretation. Um, and I love that for me. <laughs> I love that I love that being a flagpole moment. Um, but I'll tell you what happened. I was standing there, 
outside of the room you know I was standing where we were supposed to be entering and it's like a door and I was on one side and Logan was on the other side and I was like I was you know like just being being like that lady like Kristen Wiig's character like the excited lady you know Mm -hmm. and um I was just like I don't know what do I do what do I do what do I do what do I do when I go out and you know because like the entrance to my song is like 500 years long you know is what it feels like when I'm standing there waiting and um I was like but I mean what do I do after afterwards like and he was like I don't know make out with somebody (laughs) and then he just like walked away and I was like okay (laughs) okay (laughs) okay Cha's right there okay (laughs) so it was like me like just earnestly taking my coach's suggestion I fucking love it (laughs) I was like did you did you see what I just did out there he was like I heard it (laughs) like I didn't need to see it I heard it all and um yeah so I gotta give him a little credit for that because that was literally (laughs) what he said before make out with somebody it was so flippant too i can i can hear logan saying it in my head right now (laughs) yeah he's like well whatever (laughs) just like walked away (laughs) i couldn't believe it oh Oh. god it was so good no um yeah (laughs) no but it, it speaks to like sort of like this this double-sidedness of these moments in a way and and also kind of like the idea of progression in in terms of like the cultural idea of of how we represent lgbtq identities because while like that was just like a flippant thing that really didn't have any like forethought to it like it was just like logan throwing out something and then walking away it created a moment where like you pop the crowd and you like had so many people online, you know, once the, the footage came out and once it hit IWTV that saw that and were just like, Oh, okay. Like they it spoke to them <laughs> in a way, you know? Aww, so like, yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting to see that like, you know, there's a lot of meaning still attributed to these moments because of like, where we're at in terms of the the growth of an acceptance and maybe acceptance isn't necessarily the right word but like just the the identification within pro wrestling i would say but at the same time for us that are in these communities it's kind of like second it's just like we're just living our lives and this is just us like yeah. we're just we're gonna like yeah of course we're gonna make out with our partner after we've just like tapped out somebody in our debut match like that's just wouldn't you do that straighty you know (laughs) wouldn't you do that (laughs) straight ass (laughs) big old heady head head come on (laughs) (laughs) you're straight um so good um but yeah like honestly too like i was thinking about um Ronda Rousey's first match um when Ronda Rousey was in the UFC I was a big fan of her so even though she she's kind of a punk ass bitch like I followed her because I was just like interested in her journey and um yeah I remember that being one of the first things she did when fucking she won her first match I think it was also a squash 
And I remember her jumping into her her boyfriend's arms like over the barricade. And um, I was like, that's cool. You know, I don't know why. I just like, I just like saved that. And then um, I was like, yeah, that's that's super fucking appropriate. You know, just like in the 500 million years that I was standing there like waiting to enter, I was like thinking about <laughs> <laughs> building a case as to why you should make out with my girlfriend publicly before i yeah. leave the room but it was also like maybe i won't maybe i won't maybe i won't i don't know but um <laughs> yeah that's that's you're totally right like so many straight people do that shit so many shouldn't be a big deal whatever no. Not at all. Not at all. Well, as we start to wind down here a little bit, mm-hmm. I have to ask you about Sorry Mom. Uh, <laughs> because, oh because one, I think obviously the song fits perfectly for you. The I Fucked Your Mom. It's a beautiful. I can't. I. It's hard to think of. Um, it's, it's how can I put this correctly? It's like top five top 10 like perfect pairings of interest music to a character i feel like um and not only that like so early in your career you already got the quote-unquote wrestlemania entrance at poly and woodstock <laughs> where you had sorry mom there performing live i know woodstock carries a oh, whole different God. connotation now based off of what happened at that event right but i actually got to have a full match on poly and woodstock you yes know what i mean like you're one of the few <laughs> yeah woodstock what 99 <laughs> what was it like for you to have sorry mom there and playing you live to the ring in that way that was fucking amazing i mean that was like that was one of those things where uh i remember waiting to go on and i was like this is truly like um batshit crazy you know i was this is insane like why have i why do i get to do this this is crazy you know but like also um i think that's when i met dark chic and she was like listen you're here for a reason you know Mm -hmm. like this is happening for a reason this isn't an accident, you know? And, um, uh, that was, that was, it was just like a very surreal moment in that way. And then I, and then I went out there and, um, (laughs) (laughs) it was kind of like a tepid afternoon crowd at that point. (laughs) And then like in hindsight, it wasn't, it maybe wasn't the best way to enter because, um, the mom whose house we were raiding probably didn't enjoy hearing me yell about fucking moms like a bunch <laughs> in her backyard. But at the same time, it was awesome. And um, yeah, like the story, there's like, no, oh my God. It's just like another meeting Sorry Mom and having that song become my entrance song was like another bit of evidence as to like the whole universe conspiring for me to be a wrestler because I cut this fucking promo and at my at school at T to T and it was like promo day it was so it was like really it was obviously a very important day for me because Harry Aaron was in the building so I took my first promo shots with Harry Aaron which would later you know I would um which would later kind of like gain me like several hundred more Twitter followers, but also like um, that particular day 
we were cutting promos on each other as like practice. So there were also all of these like other wrestlers there that would have normally been there. And um, I, uh, I got this, this kid who, who is really funny, but he was um, working on being a super heel um, that's based on like every eighties bad boy character, you know, it's kind of a great gimmick, but he <laughs> cut this really, really, uh, mean promo, <laughs> um, where he kind of like made, it wasn't a slur, but he said non-binary pick a side or something like that. And I was, and yo, like, I didn't care that much. But like people lost it, you know, like it's like it sucked the energy out of the room. It was just like, whoa, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I got up there. I wasn't offended by that. I was offended by the fact that he couldn't remember my name. And I was like, okay, well, fuck this guy. <laughs> Let me just tell you. <laughs> so I started cutting this this promo about like you're gonna remember me, even though like I've been told I can't do this for a long time, blah, 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 blah. And then I just said, like, listen, man. I'm gonna murder you and like everybody popped because like who the fuck says that during a promo and then I said and I'm gonna steal your girl and then everybody popped again and then I said and I'm gonna fuck and I already fucked your mom that's what I said and I already fucked your mom and like the footage that I have of this like the camera falls down people are running around <laughs> screaming and dip, like Brett like brother greatness rips his shirt off and he's twirling it around throwing it at people it was ins- it was like the most insane thing i felt like that kid in that in that in that gif that animated gif where the kid's like running and he's like mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> and um so like that's where that all happened and then like i want to i want to say it was like maybe no more than a week later but like tom Tom DM'd me that song. He was like, you have to fucking listen to this and it has to be your entrance music. And I was like, listen, man, I've got all these ideas about what my entrance music is going to be. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you got to listen to this. And then I listened to it. I was like, this is insane. This is so insane that this is happening at the same time. I cut this promo about fucking moms. There's some group from New England called sorry mom is cut you know singing song about fucking moms you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and um it's what i'm saying it's a zeitgeist that's what i'm trying (laughs) to say here i'm part of a cultural zeitgeist i started it um and that's it so uh yeah but it was it was it was fucking magical you know what i mean like it's just like one of those super fucking weird things (laughs) and you know what if i ever get signed to a tv show I'm never going to be able to use it. And that sucks. (laughs) Maybe, I mean, maybe you can talk to Saruman about doing a version that could be used on TV. I don't know. But yeah. I forked your mom. I flipped your mom. I loved your mom. I love your mom. (laughs) (laughs) That might be really cute, actually. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll talk to them about radio it. I'll talk to them. Exactly. When when the time comes, that is a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, it's just it's just been awesome to see that relationship kind of cultivate as well, you know, and and to see all these different elements of culture coming together all around the fact that you fuck somebody's mom. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, a beautiful, yeah. It's a beautiful it's, zeitgeist. It's it is. <laughs> 
period. <laughs> I feel like you can't say anymore. <laughs> no, honestly, that's that's a that's a great way to kind of to end to end it. I think today it's so good. Sazzy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Uh, definitely check out uh, Thoughts and Prayers uh, on uh, November 21st at $3 Bill in Brooklyn. Uh, they're live. I think that'll be going up on IWTV at some point later on. But regardless, it's going to be a great celebration of queer pro wrestling um, that Sazzy is going to be a part of. Outside of that, yes. Sazzy, let everybody know where they can find you online. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm Sazzy Boatwright everywhere. I'm Sazzy Boatwright on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, on OnlyFans, on, um, that's LinkedIn. No, I'm not Sazzy on LinkedIn. Don't look me up on LinkedIn. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, Twitter obviously is my favorite place to be. Um, so you can find me there. Um, my DMs are open. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I truly have enjoyed the shit out of this conversation. And like, I'm so honored that you had me on. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. I, I remember I met, I think we, we communicated previously right after Paris is bumping where like okay, I, yeah. you were, you were there with Tay or, or Spice now um, yes. at the front, at the front gate. And I was like, I recognized you, but I didn't say anything because I was like, yes. Oh my God. I remember now. Yes. Oh right. <laughs> yeah. So you like, like said something online and I was like what the hell yeah and then you and then you threatened to fuck my mom so <laughs> okay, fair. it's okay it, that's that's fair I approve I approve of it it's fine I I I want my mom to be happy in whatever she does so it's fine <laughs> oh your poor mom oh, oh, oh well thank you Sassy yeah thank you so much <laughs> My thanks once again to Sazzy for taking the time out and, and chatting with me. Whole lot of laughs and a lot of fun there. Um, I I can count myself among the uh, the select few. I guess selecting quotation marks. I don't know. It has to be more than a select few that have gotten the the Sazzy threat <laughs> towards towards their mom. Um, regardless, I. It was awesome to have the chance to sit down with, with Sazzy and, and chat about her journey, her experience as a uh, still emerging baby gay, quote unquote, um, in in the pro wrestling world. Definitely, if you're in Brooklyn or anywhere near Brooklyn, uh, check out IWW's Thoughts and Prayers on November 21st. Keep an eye on IWT for whenever that drops. I know um, Handshake at the Bank is also expected to drop pretty soon, and from all accounts, that show is pretty dope as well. So keep an eye out there. Um, I'll just reiterate before we get out of here for this week. Uh, once again, QWI 200 is going to start on December 3rd. Get your nominations in for the QWI Awards, the fan-voted awards for LGBTQ Pro Wrestling um, over uh, on the LGBT in the Ring po uh, podcast Twitter account. I got jumbled over my words there for a second. <laughs> um, the form's there. Uh, you have until November 14th to get nominations in, so get them in uh, and make sure your voice is heard there. Um, and I think that's it for us this week. Next week, we're covering... We got another AEW pay-per-view. Next week, we're covering AEW full gear in full force. So make sure to come back 
to hear all about uh, mine and my guest thoughts um, on that show and just get ready for some fun. Eddie Kingston, CM Punk, Hangman, and Kenny Omega. Um, you have Britt and Tay Conti. Uh, it's, there's just a whole lot of really interesting and really invigorating matchups that are, that are coming up there. Um, especially coming off of Eddie Kingston's piece in, in the Players' Tribune. I know I mentioned it during the interview, but that one, that if you didn't tear up while reading that at one point or another, um, one, I'm not going to judge, but two, I, I find it very difficult not to. So um, regardless, it was really an amazing piece to read and just kind of further cemented Eddie Kingston's place in my mind, and I know in the minds of so many others. But with that, we will leave you for this week. Um, but until next time, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated, and have a happy Veterans Day. Bye! So, like, I knew your mom was hot um, because I always saw her at the PTA meetings. Um, you know, she'd come by the high school, and I just thought she was, like, so fucking cute for a mom, you know? And I guess I got a little older, and I grew up a little, and I guess she grew up a little, too, and boy, your mom ages like a fine wine, doesn't she? So the other night, me and your mom actually went out for this really good seafood dinner, and I treated her to the works, you know? I treated her like a princess because your mom deserves it, and then... After that, I took your mom home, and I bent her over my desk, and I fucked the shit out of your mom, and God, she fucking loved it.